this picture of Ryan O'Reilly's finger cast you're talking about, Jobo? Yeah, that's what it looked like in the photo. I'll send it to you in a sec. Anyway, um, I'll, I'll see you in a sec. Here's my prediction with Ryan O'Reilly. This is a hot way to start the show, like right away, right out of the gate. <laughs> uh, it's hard to imagine that if his fingers were in any type of casty situation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see it in a second. Joe, a lot of pressure on you. <laughs> this to find is a lot of pressure. He just dropped something right before the show. He's like, did you too. see the cast on O'Reilly's fingers? I was like, what? <laughs> oh, I assumed you saw it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, don't, always, don't assume, all right? I got a lot going on. I was I, this like, I'm going to start the show with how much sports I watched this weekend. I sportsed out this weekend. I was sportsing unbelievably hard. <laughs> I went full bore sports hardo. I watched everything. Um, but yeah, quick Ryan O'Reilly prediction from me. I'm going to guess that he's out at least a couple of weeks. There's just no way that he took that puck to the finger, had to leave the game, had to be swollen enough that they were going to require imaging and that it's going to be okay. Can you just DM it to me? You got to turn your well, little tablet. I, f- I found it on Google. I found it on oh, Google, I, so it's from a well, link. It's amazing that you turned it to me and you accidentally <laughs> oh, zoomed it. So all I, I see it? is a... Po- yeah. There you go. There yeah, you yeah. go. I'm going to guess that he's got either some fractures in his fingers or mm-hmm. something's broken and it's going to take a little while to heal up. Mm-hmm. They're not going to rush it. So no Ryan O'Reilly for a couple of weeks is this is me. Uh, Dr. Bunkus, Dr. Bunkus <laughs> predicting some injury stuff based on, I could honestly, there's nothing worse than watching sports with somebody who does that move whenever something happens and they go, Oh, that's an ACL. Oh, they diagnose it instantly. Like, Thanks doc. <laughs> I actually, the worst person for this is one of my friends who is a doctor. Mm. He straight up does this all the time where he'll go, he starts talking like a doctor. Oh, you see what happened there is. And then the guy returns to the field and go, sorry, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> what was that doctor? <laughs> oh, it's almost, too much. And then they always have the out. He always goes, well, you know, I didn't have the charts. I go, ah, yeah, obviously we're watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Friday night. <laughs> it's television. <laughs> have you not done this before? Is this the first time that you've done this? I didn't have the MRI in front of me. Like, yeah. I, I, some people do it at the UFC too. They're like, oh, his face is cut up. I'm like, thanks. There's blood yeah. running down it. I can see that. That's different though. That's just... <laughs> That's sometimes you do have being the first to the cut in UFC is ah, kind of the fun. first to the cut. Yeah. Like being the first person to go, oh, you open them up. That is, you go, nice observation. Like yeah. dibs. <laughs> exactly. It's just funny, I, like after the fact, and they point it out. I'm like, well, okay. I don't mind that one. Okay. So, yeah, I'm sportsing hard. And that's why this was a mixed bag weekend, is because the Leafs were incredibly depressing on Saturday. Just awful, awful stuff. I went on Vancouver radio on Friday. I talked all this noise. <laughs> and then they just cut shelled in the second and third periods and my whole twitter mentions were just people in vancouver who were either in on the joke having fun with me which i enjoyed or just the worst kind of sports fan where they're like see man you you're an idiot trying to dunk on you yeah and they couldn't do it well that's just if you try to if you dunk and you dunk well I will always respect it, mm-hmm. even if it's a little too far. <laughs> even, you can go a little too far on me, and I won't. I won't if be it hurts upset. A little bit, yeah. It, <laughs> if it if it stings, I'm like, ah, oh, that was damn good, though. I'll respect it. I'll tip the cap. Yeah. But yeah, Twitter's not usually too full of that. But the Vancouver fans, they came. There were a couple of them that were pretty solid. I did enjoy it. I love that back and forth, though. I live for that back and forth. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, people don't understand is that. 
that's my favorite part is <laughs> the the back and forth bickering. This is how I learned how to sports love. This is what you do. You go to mm-hmm. university, you're in a house full of dudes who all cheer for different teams, and it's just a yep. battle zone where every day you wake up and have to defend <laughs> your team and just go get ready. Get oh, You open the door of your bedroom, you're like, on the other side of this door is <laughs> a bunch of bros who want to beat me at video games and tell me all my teams suck. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> That's basically it. Uh, so Leafs stunk. They get their asses kicked embarrassing game going to talk to Luke Fox about it in a few minutes but holy crap there was so much else going on F1 came back and it was beautiful because I thought it started at 8 and it turned out to be at 10 mm. so I woke up early instead got to watch a little bit of the pregame had a coffee sat on the couch enjoyed the paddock yeah I was about to say just a lot got, of paddock oh views. I was right in the paddock buddy <laughs> I was there I was right I was track level having a time I the F1 thing is so interesting to me because the sport itself is enjoyable like there was one pass by Alonzo in the race where he mm-hmm. even Lewis Hamilton or Jocelyn for fifth place and Alonzo passes him and it was a beautiful pass and you go hell yeah that was sweet but for the most part the race was over literally well, even before it started. The yeah. race is over before it started because Max, Max Verstappen, Verstappen has pole, and there's basically one shot that Ferrari has. They don't <laughs> capitalize on it. It's right at the very beginning of the race, and the race is done. And Max Verstappen, unless his battery dies, something happens to the car, yeah. he's going to win this race. And he wins it by a million miles, right? Yeah. I did enjoy the, the jockeying for placement. I was thinking about it through the lens of... Uh, drive to survive now where mm. I went, this is going to be kind of interesting if they get back to back seasons where Red Bull is just dominant Yeah, because that is sort of the, the word out of F1 is there's a couple of good stories. Ferrari is still competitive again, but it doesn't feel like they fielded a car that is going to have better pace. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Aston Martin has surprised everybody so far and they continue to cause yeah, Alonzo was incredible. Yep. Mercedes still kind of stinks like they were a season ago. And yeah, I do wonder for that show specifically how they're going to sell it and what they're going to do as I don't know how much it, they can kind of run back the young drivers on the crappy teams anymore because right. those of us that have been following it now, we're kind of used to that and going, yeah, yeah, uh, whatever. <laughs> they don't have uh, Daniel Ricardo anymore, yeah. who is a show staple for them, a personality staple that they inject constantly. Mm-hmm. Gunther's team sucks again. Haas, terrible. I like Haas. That's my team. That's your team? Yeah, they test it okay, and then the race goes, and I'm just like, this is just classic Haas. <laughs> Every single time, this is what you guys do. But it just made me think about how so much of sports and where we're going with this stuff and why I get so triggered about the NHL and the way that it sells itself is because... There are so many people that just like actually don't care about the results or what's going on from a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. Like, do you think it's that different in the NBA? Okay, let's put it this way. Everybody's talking about Luka versus Booker uh, Booker today, right? Is that because of the result? No. No, Like, does the result matter at all in that? No, it's that these two guys had drama. And then off the court, you've got Devin Booker talking trash and saying, you guys wanted the smoke, you got the smoke. And Luca replies. Luca's saying, yeah, if you're going to talk trash, don't say it right at the end of the game. Say it, like, the entire time. Which I went, no, it's way better to do it when you're winning. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, newsflash. Well, he said the same thing last year, Newsflash. Being a front runner, way better (laughs) than losing. He said the same thing last year, though. He said, sure. People wait until they're up to talk. My, my only point is that F1 
is actually such a guiding light for the rest of these leagues mm-hmm. all, to say, of course, you can't replicate the drama of being in a race car. Yeah. And this cool thing that F1 has, which is that your teammate is your friend, rival, enemy. <laughs> yeah. You know, that you have these team principles that are these incredible personalities that will take monumental shots at one another. Oh my if goodness. you watch the last season, watching other. the, it, not just the stuff with Red Bull where they try to get them on a violation over basically catering and everybody's <laughs> crying. They're like, <laughs> all the team principals are like, they should be in prison. <laughs> they should put them in, in jail and take away everything. All of their races We're so upset. This is crazy that this happened. We can't believe it. But just some of the stuff between Alpine and, uh, who was it? McLaren. McLaren, yeah. McLaren and Alpine, the pettiness of it, the threatening lawsuits to one another. The NBA, the NHL, these other leagues, they can't do that. But they can let people in on the drama. Mm-hmm. And the more that they do that, the more people are going to be invested in the characters. Yeah. Why do we care about who Ocon is, right? Who's the German guy, the guy that ends up in McLaren anyways? Oscar? He's Australian. Oh, he's Australian? Yeah. Whatever. He's I can't the new say guy that last name, though. Yeah, I can't say it, it. I the worst part is that I in my brain is only saying Oscar Pistorius, and I'm like, no, that's not the Oscar one. Piastri? That's the yeah. See, but it's close. I knew. Yeah, Piastri. Pretty close, Piastri. Anyway, this isn't doing very good for me saying I'm not a casual anymore. That I'm a diehard <laughs> and I'm a hardcore. Is me I wish fumbling I was a hardcore. I love I'm it. I'm trying to be a hardcore. No, I, I straight up love it. But yeah. I'm telling you, why do I love it? Is because the storytelling yes. beforehand yeah. That's what got me into gets it. me into yeah. it. The storytelling beforehand makes me amped, makes me read all the articles, make me look at all the content. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, I care about F1. And then again, I watch that race. And what happens? Max Verstappen blows away the rest of the field. Yep. They finish, you know, one, two in the podium. There's a cool story with Lonzo. But why would I ever care about third place? Yeah. I'm, I'm a North American sports fan. That's not me. I don't care sure. about that. I'm not you, Joe, watching <laughs> soccer, going like, top of the table. Woo! And then if he's the fifth in the table, it's very, very, I don't care. That's not how I was raised. Well, my team's first in the table. I, I'm, so. I was raised in the Ricky Bobby rules. Like, if you're not first, you're last. Ah. Who cares? You're a big, you're a loser. Mm-hmm. S- silver medal? You're the first to lose. Yeah. Ba- <laughs> number one loser. <laughs> that's, that's, who, that, that's who raised me. That culture of sports. So anyway, it's just, I don't understand how more leagues don't see this, how more players don't see this, how just why the NHL wouldn't want stuff like this, mm-hmm. why everything is buttoned down, buttoned up and presented in such a corny yeah. ass way. Closed doors. Even, I, I saw that clip of Kyle Dubas talking to uh, Mark Giordano where he presents him with that shield for the block shots thing. Mm. I'm going, this is the way this league markets itself is Kyle Dubas giving a generic crappy speech and then Mark Giordano getting up there and going, I want to win, and I know everyone else in here wants to win too. And I went, wow, Thanks. what content. <laughs> and Pete Walker was like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Loving that content. Anyway, someone who actually does make good content, somebody who actually does have a spicy take or two, somebody who loves throwing in a little barb in his articles. That's what I love about my boy Luke Fox is that you'll just be going along, you'll be reading something, you think, all right, this is like a gamer. And then he's like, bang, bang, here's a couple of takes right in the middle of it. Luke Fox, senior NHL writer for Sportsnet. What's up, bro? How we doing? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, JD. Just adjusting to... Uh Eastern time zone again, uh, newsy, fun work trip. Yeah. Nonstop news. Uh, how are you feeling about your team? Um, I'm feeling pretty, I'm, I'm feeling up and down. I predicted that I think, I think Ryan O'Reilly is going to miss a couple of weeks. I don't know what you know, but if he's in that little finger cast thing and they had to take him out of the game and it was that swollen, 
My guess is that's not just going to be a finger bruise. That's going to be some kind of break that takes a couple of weeks. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know any more than, than you know. Um, I saw that photo, too, of, of the little finger cast splint thing. Um, Keith did not sound happy about it yeah. after the game. Uh, and, you know, he's, he was getting treatment, so he wasn't available to talk to us. They had the day off traveling to Jersey. So we're going to find out today. They practice at 1230 um, in Newark. So I think we should be able to get a timeline on when he's back. I mean, ultimately, yeah, you want to back as fast as possible. You just don't want this to linger in the playoffs. No. So, yeah, they'll have to be uber conservative with it. I guess this is this is where when you're asking me, like, how do I feel about the team? That third period against Calgary was the most encouraging play I've seen from the Leafs all season long. And it's been a good season for them. And then they came out in the first in Vancouver and I went, holy crap, this is actually happening. They're playing with some bite. You've got guys sticking up for one another and it's blending with the skill that the team has. And they're just peppering Vancouver. I think shots started maybe 10 to two, 10 to one. And the entire period was domination. Demko standing on his head. And that's the only way that the opposition has a chance. And the second and third period, Leafs end up going to sleep and I thought you summed it up great in your recent piece about it, which is something that a lot of us are starting to say now, which is great. You can move all the pieces around. You can add more on your blue line. You can add, you can completely revitalize and revamp your bottom six. But the same thing is true. The guys that stepped out for that power play that made the lazy plays like Tavares trying to feed a cookie, force a cookie into the middle that causes a breakout, a lazy dump and a lazy jump up in the rush for whatever the hell reason Morgan Riley had in that game. And boom, you're, you're fighting and you're behind the eight ball and everyone's doing the same thing again where they're asking Sheldon Keefe about, hey, would you have benched these guys? I'm going, bench these guys? They, they're the only guys still. They're the only guys that can score on this team still. So, yeah, I think that there's a lot of pressure on that core now. And I, I don't know how to feel about it after this weekend. I'm trying to maintain a level head about it. I like the composition of the team more, but... Yeah, like I think you put it well when you said that this this pressure level is going to now start to ramp up on those guys, and I think we are going to learn a lot about them as they're heading into the postseason too. Yeah, because so the GM goes out and does all he can, you know, short of something crazy like giving up Nyes to get Ekholm or, you know, the Elliot had that Eric Carlson report. But, I mean, then you're talking – you know, another first and nice and, and going really deep. But outside of that, he did everything he could. He changed a lot of pieces, like did some things that he had never done, which was actually touched the roster in terms of getting rid of Angval and Sandine to give guys that are in their prime now that play with some, some bite, uh, like Nola Chari. I love watching every shift this guy has. It's like, where has this been from Toronto's fourth, fourth line forever? He looks fantastic. And, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, just like defensive conscience, but still able to, to produce and create plays. So the GM did his work. The coach is giving them every opportunity, you know, doesn't even think to take them off after they allow a shorthanded goal. And I get it. Like he looks down his bench, Ryan O'Reilly's hurt. Who's he going to put in? He needs a goal to tie the game back up. But there's not really a level of accountability there. Um, it's kind of like, okay, this is your team. It's your mistake. you got to go make it up. And then they make another mistake and another shorthanded goal. And it's just like, it felt like it's, it's not doom and gloom. You know, it's just one loss, whatever. They're still a top five team in the league. They're mm-hmm. still, you know, you know, tons of talent. They got some balance now, all those things. 
But it was just, to me, it was a reminder of this team is going to sink or swim based on these five guys mm-hmm. that you've paid, that you've paid all your money, that there's no way they're getting off PP one when the game's on the line and you need a goal or it's tied. These are the guys you're always going to rely on. And they've never been shaken in terms of a trade to the core. It's always the fringes that get traded. Uh, and it, it just feels like they need to step up and, and wake up to a certain extent. Like, they need to take control of this team and it, it really is going to depend on them as much as, as we love talking about, you know, the, the return of Luke Shen and uh, all, all these and, and the goalie thing. And uh, like, there's great side stories here, you know, it, it makes for, it makes for some fascinating conversations, but you strip all that away and, you know, it's Braden point getting it done and Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman getting it done for the lightning when it matters most. So it has to be Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Riley and Neelan. Yeah, three of those guys I'm not concerned about so far throughout the season in that core. Uh, I think Tavares making that mistake on the power play was jarring because he just he seldomly makes those kinds of just glaring errors. I think Mitch Marner has been the team's best player this season. Um, and I, I, I quite honestly, as good as William Nylander's been, I actually think there's like been a gap between the two. That's how good Mitch has been. And then Nylander's been brilliant. I don't know what's up with Matthews because people say, well, maybe he's not healthy, but then he has a game like the other night where he scores two goals and he looks brilliant. And then he has another night against the Oilers where he completely disappears. But the big one for me right now is Morgan Riley. And this is like the deadline question is who do you play him with out of all of these guys that they acquired? Because that's the one piece of this puzzle. I don't really understand. Bourne and I used to talk about this all the time, how, the Leafs would have talent on their blue line, like pretty consistently throughout the Kyle Dubas era. It was never, oh, they don't have anybody at all. They didn't have this much depth. Maybe they weren't as talented as these groups, but that the pieces would never really fit together. And now they've got seven guys and it just feels like they're trying to, well, mix and match all the time, but none of the pieces seem to work with Riley other than Brody, but they want to have a shutdown pairing. Like what, what do you think happens here? I think they revert back to Brody, to be quite honest. They just don't have because- a choice. It's just if he's not with Brody, it look it looks kind of scary, right? Like he he ends up being a dash on most nights when he's not with Brody. Mm-hmm. And I, I get it. You want to have this pure shutdown pair that you can roll out in in McCabe and Brody, and and I like that idea. But I, I just think for Morgan Riley to excel, he can't be with Luke Luke Shen. You know, he's a great guy. Lots of positive attributes, but he can't log that many minutes at this stage. Uh, and, and just the foot speed, I don't think, is there. So I think you have to partner Riley with Brody when it matters most. 100%. But it, and it's, it's a really interesting thing that they're doing here. Like Connor Timmons, whatever, you know, he's, he's basically going to be stuck in the press box. But this 11-7 and seven thing, no, it's got uh, to it, it, go. And the, the irony is, in Edmonton, uh, Sheldon Keefe was asked about, okay, now that you've acquired these guys, are, are you going to maybe think about 11 and 7? He's like, well, it's an option, but it's not option A. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I don't love it. And then the very next day, game in, in Calgary, that's what he's going with. And I, I, I understand it from the point of view of you just traded for guys in, in Shannon Gustafson. You don't want to you know, trade for them and then just put one of them in the press box. You want to make them feel part of the team. You want to get them going. But I think when it comes down to it, you have to start rolling four lines and get some consistency. You have to have six guys that you depend on. And then, you know, if one makes a mistake, then you have an option. If one gets hurt, then you have an option.
Yeah. Um, I don't think that they're going to get overly confused. Like, I think he played less than 10 minutes the game against Calgary, Gustafson. Uh, I think Shen had the same thing. Yeah, I'm not sure that those 10 minutes a night are are really changing things for those guys that much in terms of moving forward. But now if you do have a significant Ryan O'Reilly injury, it's it's a bit of an oddity because, what, now you're going to bring up uh, and play Pontus Holmberg some more. You're going to bring up somebody from the Marlies that's going to take ice time away from one of these veterans you do have on the blue line. The the more interesting guy, I think, is Lilligren. Is like, where are they going to put him? And they, they just seemingly pulled him from the lineup a couple of times. And I went, didn't we just learn over a few weeks that – this guy's one of the guys that they they desperately need. Like, I don't know if I need to get a longer look at what Gustafson is going to bring you at the expense of Lilligren. But yeah, anyway, we'll see how this shakes out. But I'm with you. It just, it feels like Brody is just the fixer to every pairing. And you look at every single pairing and go, oh, if you put him with Brody, like that would be good. And then yeah. every yeah. time he's removed from that pairing, you go, I don't really love that. There's the problem with this, you know, it just, ugh, it's a, it's a weird piece. So I guess that's the question, dude, is, did they did they do too little or did they do too much? Oh, I, I'm not I'm not there yet with they did too much and they changed the mix of the group too much. Uh, I I like it. Um, I mean, we're, we're going to have to see how this this all plays out and, and see how if they can build chemistry. They got 19 games mm-hmm. basically to figure this out, and and it's less about do they win or lose every night and and are we gonna you know, get all upset if they lose a few games. It's more about finding the lines and the pairings that they like, getting some, some chemistry and some rhythm. To, to be fair, like, all this has happened, and they really haven't had a, a team practice. Like, they had some optional skates, but it was, like, back-to-back, lots of travel. So I'm not in panic mode yet. I don't think they did too much. Uh, I, I do think that... The fact that you get Pierre Engvall out of there, um, I think he's he's a decent NHL player. I just don't think his game lends itself well to a, a seven-game hard playoff series against Tampa or Boston. Mm-hmm. So I, I like I'm I'm in favor of the moves, and I think they got these moves also got the the group's attention. Mm-hmm. But I think the pressure now shifts to Sheldon Keefe. It's like the GM did all this. He changed a lot of your pieces. Now you have to figure out how they all fit together. Uh, So I think this is a a really, it's going to be a bit of a tense six weeks here for Sheldon Keefe to to optimize his lineup. And he loves to tinker, but he's got to, he's got to find that fine line of experimenting a little bit and finding, trying some different things to figure out what works, but also, you don't want to be experimenting one week away from the playoffs. You want to feel pretty confident that you have your, your six and that you have your lines that you like. Yeah. Um, and again, this is another problem with having the Ryan O'Reilly injury is they just tried out a different looking third line. They were just moving pieces around and trying to set something up where they took a bunch of games where they let Ryan O'Reilly get settled with top tier talent, let him play down the middle and get comfortable. Let him have his hat trick against Buffalo with the top stars and a ton of ice time. They move him down the third line. They start to see what that's going to look like. And then, boom, injured hand. And now you've got to figure out, again, how you're going to get him back in the mix. And, you know, I think at this point you're really hoping that he comes back for, what, April and that you get uh, eight-game runway ahead of the postseason. And so I just I, – I don't know if you're going to even get to be that comfortable. And why I ask you, like, hey, okay, did they do too little too much? I think that 
I'm with you. Everything you said, I'm with you. Like, I love the Achari stuff too. Seeing a guy who actually finishes all his checks is like, whoa, where did, where was this before? That, oh, right. I forgot that you can do that. That's really lovely. Um, I like what we've seen from the team. And you're right. I'm not riding the highs and lows as much as others because I saw what that third period was against Calgary. I saw that first period against Vancouver. And as disheartening as the Edmonton game was in the last two periods against Vancouver, like that actually means more to me in the grand scheme of all of this, given where Toronto is going to be in a month from now, that uh, sure, we can ride the roller coaster, but that's going to be it. I think the, the bigger one, though, is and what we'll find out and what I think is an imperfect science is, yeah, how much those changes impact those star players. And when we say, hey, shake it up, and I've always had theories of now you look around the room, you don't see the same guys, you needed to make it different. I do also wonder, though, how much that actually adds pressure to that group and you know how much that changes the chemistry of a room that of a team that was really, really good this season. And so, yeah, I'm kind of curious. You just were with the team. You've been around them all season long. What what is what has the I hate using this word, but it's there's no other way to use it. There's no other word, I think, in my mind right now. What's what is the vibe around the team right now? Uh, It's tense. I'd say it's tense, um, but I also say I would say that you know part of that had to do with the trade deadline and seeing Sandine and Engvall traded. I think was was a little rough for some people. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like we we had a good conversation with Alex Kerfoot like minutes after the the trade deadline passed, and he talked a lot about you know uh, the the pressure doesn't go away just because the deadline passed. You know, he was well aware mm-hmm. he was one of those guys that could have got moved just because of the salary cap, them being tight to the cap. Middle-class forwards seem to always be on the brink with the Toronto Maple Leafs team, right? So he was saying that just because the deadline passes doesn't mean that the pressure goes away. You feel like there's competition to perform, to get your minutes. You feel like there's pressure to to do it for this city that is, that is getting, you know, understandably very frustrated with these first round losses. And there's definitely a sense of this is the year. And whether that means Dubas is fired or Keefe is fired or both, or they cut in to the core, it, there's a sense that this is the last shot. You know, no one, no one is saying that explicitly, but you can feel it. And, you know, they bring in guys with, with big personality and leadership, like a, a Ryan O'Reilly, like a Luke Shen. I mean, he's, he's not going to lead in minutes, but he, is, he has a presence around that team already. Um, and so the, the mix has changed a little bit, but everyone seems to be very excited and on board with, with getting it done. But there is a sense that this is the last chance. Yeah. And, and they're, they're feeling that pressure. Yeah. You can, you can see it. You can see it when you talk to them. Yeah. Um, they should feel that pressure again, trying to mitigate it. The only way I think that they actually could is to play brilliant hockey with a ton of attention to detail and really find out who they are in the regular season. So to me, yeah, again, the playoff series with Tampa, we we've all been waiting for it for forever. We know it's going to happen, but having strong results with this group finding out those pairings, like you mentioned, finding out what your line combinations are, having a ton of success with them, that to me is going to be imperative. Because if they're fighting it and they're doing this roller coaster ride, right, up and down, up and down, good period, horrific period, um, stars performing admirably, stars kind of no-showing, 
heading into the postseason, that that will probably make me pretty nervous. Of course, that can turn on a dime. Like the playoffs are such a small sample and so random that, yeah, of course, anything can happen. But if, if I'm saying the Leafs are going to put their best foot forward, I think that you do need to see a lot of consistency down the stretch here. Like the last couple of weeks of the season, we, we got to have a good feeling of who this team is. You agree? Oh, 100%. But now the the bright side is Tampa is a bit out of Tampa sorts sucks. right now, too. No, yeah, they just they're... suck. Like, that's a bad team. <laughs> they're, I know that's going to bite me the ass, too, but it's just well, I know everybody in here is shaking their head. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously joking. <laughs> I'm obviously joking. But, yeah, I've been watching a couple of their recent games, and, yeah, just the, the energy seems off with that team, too. The only thing is they went into a big slump last year, right? And then they showed up in the postseason and looked exactly like Tampa Bay. Yeah. And, you know, Hedman went down recently, too. Like, they, they might be a little mm-hmm. bit banged up. So, uh, yeah, I think both teams are, are trying to figure it out, whereas Boston is just in cruise control. Like, it's it's, it's laughable how, how good they are right now. And the fact that they even got deeper with the Tyler Bertuzzi trade, it's like, oh, my goodness. No. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think – it's not so much about wins and losses. It's how is the team looking? How is the team playing? And we've seen flashes. That, I think that's what's so frustrating is they, they have these moments where they look like they have it figured out, like that third period in Calgary, like that first period in Vancouver. And then, you know, I don't know if it's, it's just uh, brain farts or like letting your foot off the gas or thinking, oh, we're playing against literally the worst penalty kill in the whole league. And, you know, you make some mistakes and, and they compound and then next thing you, you, you're done for the night. But that I think that that should be if you're a fan, I think you should try and, and find more optimism than pessimism, because when this team is at its best, they look phenomenal. Hey, Luke, there's only one more 730 game the rest of the way. That's the latest that you got to. Watch me. Actually, sorry, I screwed it up. There's two more 7:30 games. I just took a peek. Two more 7:30 games. The rest seven or the beautiful and my favorite six o'clock NHL hockey game. Uh, so yeah, um, get used to East Coast time. You're back, brother. You're back on solid ground. All right. You don't have to. You don't have to worry anymore. Thanks for coming on, pal. <laughs> All right. See you, man. Have a good one, JD. Thanks. There's Luke Fox, uh, senior NHL writer for Sportsnet, guy who travels with the Leafs. I-, I like that. I like that he recognizes that there is pressure on the team. I will say that. Normally the West Coast road trip, right? Those long road trips, that's the time where we talk about a team getting to relax and having themselves a time. Everyone does the team bonding activities. It's a little different when you go on that trip and then not everybody's coming home (laughs) with you. There's different guys there. And I know Dubas tried to sell the Springsteen concert, which now goes down in Toronto oh Maple Leaf fan lore. <laughs> yeah. The Springsteen concert. Where were you when yeah. they went to the Springsteen Everyone's concert? Everyone's going to remember. Here, that's the first thing. That's how much the city loves the Maple Leafs is there's going to be a large swath of people that for a while now they're going to hear a Springsteen song and get really pissed off yeah, about it. Yeah, just hate it. Yeah. Unliking on Spotify. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, lost to Edmonton. Sucks. <laughs> Boss. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> so... At least when he goes to the concert. Yeah. Uh, it... I'm sure that it's going to be fine over time. Mm -hmm. I thought some of the quotes were a little bit of a stretch talking about the makeup where they go, the family section doubled in size. I went, all right, it's cool. So we're trying to get Austin Matthews to settle down. <laughs> is that, is that we want him to score. <laughs> yeah. I, all right. Yeah. I guess he could if in due time, uh, I think he's still having a lot of fun and he'll get there. 
This quote I really like, though, from Sheldon Keefe, and this is what it all comes down to, everything that we're talking about right now. Quote, I just sense that with the players we've added and also with the growth of some of the guys internally, we're just a far, we're just far better in that realm, end quote. Like, they, they need to be. That needs to be the thing here. Those guys, that pressure, that needs to go away and that needs to be led by those star players. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I've made this point before, but sure, those guys are going to bring a leadership component that are down the lineup, right? The Luke Shens where he says he's going to have a presence. I don't think Ryan O'Reilly is going to be around for a while. Maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully this Hopefully, podcast yeah. lives up horrifically <laughs> afternoon and they go, actually, he's going to be back in two games. I yeah. just, I don't get that sense. I don't get that feel. I don't get that from yeah. everything the that's happened. Splints not a good yeah, just even not coming back in the game, everything about it. Just it's, it's not good, yeah. right? It's not good. Sheldon Keith being pissed off frustrated that sucks that adds to the pressure though all of a sudden you lose your star acquisition of the deadline right away someone that you're just starting to get used to someone that you're enjoying around the room and on the ice who does bring a little bit of a different look who allows Tavares the odd time to play off to like his wing yeah my thing here is though these guys need to also take a step from the leadership component of it they need to be steadier they need to show these guys like hey we get it too we're going to try to play some steady hockey. We're not going to be trying to be as much of a roller coaster. Some of this is just natural to be up and down. That's why, honestly, I did Leafs talk on Saturday. I really was not, holy crap, embarrassing. And I have done that before with the Leafs where you just go, I'm so sick of this. Yeah. This one was different. This one, you give them a little bit of a grain. Uh, you give them a little bit of a pass just saying a lot has happened. It has been very strange. This is the Canucks Super Bowl. Yeah. This is the Western Conference teams are just waiting, chomping at the bit to get at the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> they made a couple of mistakes. They didn't play great hockey. But the best hockey that they played over the course of this trip has to be super encouraging for everybody. Yes. But can they find a bit of a level? And can those guys, the Morgan Rileys of the world, the Austin Matthews of the world, mm-hmm. those two guys specifically, can they steady the ship enough so that those other guys can feel comfortable in their role and not feel as though they have to do too much? Yeah. Because they're surrounding players. You don't want them overexerting themselves or doing too much in a play, right? That's usually what you say about bad players is you go, oh, that, that guy's trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. That guy's trying to do too much. You don't want them doing too much. You want them playing their role properly slotted and then the Leafs are going to be fine. Anyway, let's take a quick break. Let's come back and let's talk about the GOAT. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, so like I said, it was an incredible sports weekend. I loved it. I watched so much NBA yesterday. It was perfect. God, yesterday was perfect. And then I even watched a little bit of Avalanche Kraken. Mm. Had a very, very sportsy day. Crack <laughs> of dawn, woke up, watched F1. Yeah. Then I watched basketball all day. Three games in a row. Actually, four games, really, because I also watched the Clippers... And the Grizzlies the play. Grizzlies, yep. And it was Grizzlies had a fifty point quarter. Yeah. And it was fifty to thirty one in the third. Mm-hmm. They completely dominated them. Desmond Bain, Tyus Jones, everybody chipping in. Grizzlies having one of those games where I was actually kicking myself, going, oh, "Why didn't I bet on the Grizzlies? They were good without Jaw last year." And then classically, you know, <laughs> they're gonna want to make the "We're more than the Jaw Moran" yeah, team yeah. statement against the Clippers, who they're the Clippers, right? They do not. That there's never been a team. You take on the personality of your best player, and Kawhi might be the biggest badass when it comes playoff time, but mm-hmm. regular season, his energy of like, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Are you guys are playing tonight? <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
my knee. See you next week. I'm going to rest it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the Clippers storm back and yeah. Westbrook is doing, you it's know, 16 point comeback. I yeah, think, dickish Westbrook things. And they just, <laughs> that also the officials were very tilted towards Clippers. But anyways, I watched a lot of basketball. I watched a lot of hoops. Watched that cracking game. Watched F1. Watched the Leafs play Saturday. Watched a bunch of the Raptors this weekend. Nice uh, win against the Wizards. They mm-hmm. almost blew it. Yeah. Celtics, Knicks was really fun. But I got to talk about John Jones. Yeah. Because I also watched that card on Saturday night. Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel. Starting to become a bit of a star. Nobody cares yet, though. Too early in the card. Mm-hmm. They should have put that one, one back. Gamrot kind of stole one. I hate UFC. I hate UFC judging sometimes, <laughs> even though it was super beneficial to GSP, and that's my guy forever and ever. It basically was a different level of dominance. But yeah, Gamron, a little bit of a steal. Shevchenko, yeah. shocking loss. Yeah. Shocking loss where she just, she clearly, she just didn't have, she, she t- didn't take her opponent seriously enough. Yeah. And went into the later rounds, and you could tell all she wanted to do was lay on top of her and score points with just the the takedowns just and the, the ground control time. Yeah. And she had no second move. She kind of looked a little gassed and frustrated, and that's why she did the stupid thing where she tried to do spinning back kick. I also kind of like that she was a bit of a poor sport after. <laughs> she was like, yeah, I was winning, so whatever. I was winning, but I was dumb, whatever. I was winning. She's going to get the rematch, too. I, went, so. I like this. I like it sometimes when they're poor sports. It's yeah. not bad. I also like respect, but poor sport... Huh. <laughs> Underrated. <laughs> Not for kids, but in combat sports, that moment, I don't mind it because yeah. it makes the rematch a little juicier. I don't want to have her go, wow, she's so great. She's so special. No, do that if uh, your career is done. If you're mm-hmm. still in it, you could be a little bit of a poor sport. That's okay. Um, I need to defend the title that many times. What fight am I missing off that card in the uh, random? You were, my, you were missing the Shavkat. Oh, Mata. yeah. He's such a badass. Yeah. That dude, he's got lifeless 100% eyes. 100% finish rate. Yeah. He's got lifeless way. eyes. <laughs> Where you just look at him and there's there's nothing back there other than murder, yeah. murder <laughs> him. Oh, he was walking Jeff Neal the I whole know. time. At oh the end, he's God. like, I'm just going to finish you now. I, I would say that he's one of the, like, five scariest looking guys in the UFC. Yeah. Just from, he's long, he's big, he's muscular, he's got those dead eyes. He just keeps coming forward. He can eat punches. Yeah. Je- Jeff Neal was landing bombs on his him. chin. He was tagging him. And Rachmanov was just like, no, I'll kill you. <laughs> and he choked him standing yeah. up. No, it was nasty. He was like, all right, it I'm was, just going to put you It was now. so nasty. That was actually, I'm, I'm sad I forgot that because that was obviously my favorite fight on the card. There was yeah. nothing even close to that one on that card. That was the best Badass. one, no question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Rachmanov. I love him. I love him to death. That, that guy is great. Kazakh, let's go. Change the, <laughs> cha- flip the script. Become the champion. Become a great yeah. Get rid of Borat being the most I famous like Joe Rogan wearing the hat at the end too. Yeah, Borat and Nick, uh, Nick Antropov, the two most famous <laughs> the goats. Guys. Yeah, the the top the top of the food chain for Kazakhstan. <laughs> Nothing's funny. I went to a World That's Junior a Game. Good top of the food chain though. I, I went to a World Junior Game once, Latvia versus Kazakhstan, and. There was a Kazakh fan there that had just like a cowbell and just Kazakhstan. What? Yeah, they got lit up. Lavia <laughs> yeah, destroyed them. No big they deal. Did. Yeah, no big deal. Lavia, way better than Kazakhstan. 7 1, I'm pretty sure was the <laughs> score. Go. Kicked their ass to the point where they kept putting me on the jumbotron because I was in a Lavia sweater. 
too many times. And the guy would leave me on the Jumbotron for too long. Like, you've got like 10 seconds of Jumbotron yeah. time, right? They're like, yeah, number one, number one. Do a little jersey yeah, pump, jersey you know, pump. that's yeah. that's okay. Look up, yeah, do something. Yeah. And then once they last longer, you go, please go away. I'll do anything. I'll, I'll pay you, I'll give you $1,000. Just turn this, turn this off. Seconds. Please do anything. But yeah, the, it was the sweetest thing because it was right after the Borat movies and the Kazakh one fan that was sitting in there, straight up, only guy that I saw in the entire building wearing Kazakh jersey. He just had a little cowbell, and he would just, like, shake it every once in a while. I was perfect. I love hey, you. He was showing up for the team. I love you. He showing was up so for the great. Team. Yeah, he was really there. He was really in it. Anyway, um, John Jones. He comes in, and he looks beefy. Yeah. But he does his classic John Jones handstand, and I yeah. go, he still got it. Uh, by the way, I had a huge bet on John Jones' finish. I mm-hmm. tweeted about it. It was easy money. Great. I never – Cyril Gaon is not it. No. He is not it. The only thing was normally, normally in history of combat sports, you have a long layoff and you put on a bunch of weight, you suck. Mm. Yeah. Even GSP, the sneaky thing that none of us want to admit is he did not look great in a lot of the Bisping fight. I thought he was going to lose. We all thought he was going to lose. That's (laughs) what made his comeback and his win so special is that we went, oh, crap, he's not the same GSP. And you know who knew it? GSP. That's why he never fought again. Yeah. That's why he grabbed that belt and said, yep, I got it. Goodbye. Yeah. All, amazing accomplishment. Went up, did it, lay off everything. Awesome, GSP. Not taking it away from you, but he knew. That's why he retired. John Jones is going to keep on fighting because he's still John Jones. And this is why he is the GOAT. No, This is his legacy. People were getting so pissed off. They go, why'd they put him in against a job? Or Cyril Gaon socks. This was way too easy. That's what John Jones does. <laughs> he makes, he makes it look easy. easy. No one has made it look easier. No one has had his finish rate of just dominance in championship fights where he goes in there against killers and just says, good night. <laughs> Bonsoir. <laughs> That's it. That's what John Jones does. Yeah. Man, he fought essentially one time a year for seven years of his prime. There was only mm-hmm. one year that in those seven year stretch where he took more than one fight. Mm-hmm. He did two. Oh, two. <laughs> he had two, which is, yeah, it's yeah. going right. That's fine. True. But one fight a year, essentially. Yeah. He is unquestionably the GOAT. I don't want to hear about the picogram stuff, okay? John Jones off, like outside of the octagon, yeah. obviously a dick. Yeah. Like, no question <laughs> about it. One of, I don't want to say the worst guys because sports is full of... There's some, there's some yeah. pretty bad guys OJ exists, you know? <laughs> there's a pretty decent there's, list. Like, it's tough when there's OJ, you know? <laughs> like, sports has some deplorable figures. So John Jones is not even on... He's not even sniffing he's Mount, Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. He, no, no, he's not even... He's halfway on the drive to Mount Rushmore of deplorable sports figures. He might be in the parking lot. And he stinks as a guy. He's brutal. I'll never forget him in court. Cormier, when they had their back and forth oh. and they caught that in exchange between the two of them. Yeah. And Cormier, who actually is a salt of the earth, awesome guy. Mm-hmm. And John Jones, who had us fooled at the time. He really did. We thought, John Jones is a really cool guy. And behind the scenes, Cormier goes, you're a really bad person. And he's going, I would kill you if you did yeah. that. And he's, you can see it in his eyes, like, he would. Dude, <laughs> his know? eyes were lifeless. Dude, I know. That's what I was saying. He was he, like, he like was, I will kill no, you. No, he was scary. Yeah, I will kill you. He was a scary man. Anyway, he's gotten into a ton of trouble. That's the disappointing part about John Jones. He'll always be a complicated figure. I get it. If there's those of you that are out there that want to say John Jones can't be your goat because of picograms, mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. But some of the testing that he popped for now is not even the standard. 
again, a picogram, I want to, if I remember this correctly, when they got him and like he popped, I think it was described as it's one grain of salt in an Olympic sized swimming pool is what he popped for. Mm-hmm. It's something close to that. Anyway, even if he did cheat, even if he did take a bit of a banned substance, which I'm not even sure, again, based on the amount, the trace evidence that was in his body, I think for a very, very long time, a lot of guys in the UFC have taken stuff. And, and that's not an excuse you pop. I, I don't want to see cheaters either. Like, I get it. Um, he, if he had an unfair advantage, uh, then he deserved to be stripped of those spots, all of that different stuff. I just, this is the same thing with the, the Barry Bonds thing to me, where you can go, okay, well, maybe he did a little bit better than he would have normally without the juice. But come on, man. Come on. You really think that it was the steroids that made this guy that? Mm-hmm. You really think that's what this was? Does anyone really believe that whatever substances John Jones got popped with trace amounts wise had anything to do with his dominance over his opponents? Yeah. Like, no. This guy was sleepwalking through the UFC to the point where when he beat Gustafson here in Toronto, One of the greatest fights ever. When he beat Gus here in Toronto, he admitted like, oh, dude, I was just partying. I wasn't taking this seriously, and I almost lost a big fight in my life. What I loved about John Jones here is that it seemed like he's taking things seriously. He's already talking about trying to lean out. I think he realizes that if he cleans out a pretty suspect heavyweight division, that Mm -hmm. the the arguments against him are just going to go away. I think he's going to start Stipe Miocic. I don't think that it's going to be a particularly close fight. Yeah, I think he's going to eviscerate him. There's nothing <laughs> Stipe can do at this point. He's an old man. John Jones. Well, it, what advantage does Stipe have over John Jones right now? No, I don't like, know what it is. Anyway, Cyril gone. He he he. It kind of stinks. But John <laughs> Jones did the damn thing. He went in there, and I just I thought that was a huge monumental moment for his legacy to do it and to do it in that fashion. It all he almost. He almost gets penalized a bit on this one because he made it look so easy. People thought stupidly that gone tapped on a nothing yeah. and then they showed the highlight and everyone's like oh yeah that actually looks well, horrific the one camera angle they showed sure. initially didn't sure. look it looks convincing. like he's just like pulling his yeah. chin up a little bit but then his like, wrist huh? goes under yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. but then there's actually a really cool highlight on the internet right now of Henry Cejudo where mm-hmm. he's actually drilling this exact scenario in front of John Jones and Andrew, I didn't see yeah that. it's really cool it's, it's Cejudo teaching something up against the, the fence and John Jones clearly picks it up and did it in this fight. I love it. You see the two things side by side. They're almost mirror images of one another. I highly mm-hmm. recommend people to go check it out if you like the, if you like the fight game. Anyways, I think it's huge for, for John Jones. He's the GOAT to me. And again, I'm as big a GSP fan as there is. To me, it's just, no. There's one guy that did it way more dominant, way different fashion, longer time. Mm-hmm. Just easy. The easiness and the skill of some of the dudes that he fought. And I know it was a long time ago with a bunch of those dudes. But either way, if he keeps this going, which I think he can, uh, it's just a reminder of how he built his legacy and how he's going to continue to build it. Yeah, so obviously also on the weekend, there was some news about the Toronto Blue Jays, Jose Bautista. Mm -hmm. On August 12th, when they take on the Cubs, he'll get honored on the level of excellence. Um, So yeah, Jose Bautista is going to be back in house. Yeah, I like Joins, you know, all the Blue Jay legends. Well-deserved Bautista finally on the level of excellence has one of those greatest moments of all time Obviously the bat flip Mm -hmm. and there's gonna be a bat flip bobblehead actually that night. Yeah, I don't (laughs) care for bobbleheads I was about to ask you're a bobblehead guy. No, I'm a man. I can picture it like a bookcase in your hands It's it's the bat flip though. No, I have no that's Ennis (laughs) (laughs) Obviously that's Ennis. Um, I think I have one two I have three bobbleheads Mm. 
No, you'd never guess them. Santa's Out's Lunch? No, you wish. <laughs> oh. I wish. No, they're random. <laughs> I have Steve Eiserman, Team Canada. Wow. wow. Yeah. Interesting. Amir Johnson. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Rolling with Amir. Yeah. Who actually, I love Amir. Yeah. Amir was one of the first guys that when he was with the Raptors and I would still be doing free association and got, uh, yeah, a little bit more access to the Raps at that time because they hadn't blown up and... The Raptors used to have just this incredible PR guy named Jim LeBombard, and mm. they were accessible. You could get Raptors on shows and, like, talk to them, like, people. <laughs> it wasn't like <laughs> they were all Drake. <laughs> it's like, you know, just because Drake is here in the, at the games, you guys aren't all Drake. But, okay, sure, fine. It's it's okay. It's okay. No, no. We'll never have a Raptor. Uh, Amir was the man. Amir was a dude who would like actually talk to you and yeah, he was in the community. He's, he's the dude. He is the bro. So yeah. Um, at some point we'll do Amir Johnson on this podcast. Cause yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. He's a good Raptor. So yeah, Amir Johnson bobblehead mm-hmm. and Russell Wilson. Ah, uh, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. I got a lot of Russell Wilson stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're cringing yeah. saying that. Yeah. Anyway, I got a lot, but I would actually like the Jose Bautista bobblehead. I won't lie. That's mm-hmm. actually that's a good one. It's yeah. the bat flip one too. Yeah, like, it's it's iconic iconic that's, that's a cool one to have. That's one that you can respectably have mm-hmm. kicking around. The thing with bobbleheads is like, yeah, it's clutter. What are you, what are you actually doing with it? It's like, and now what are those things called? Oh my God. Uh, Funzos. Funko Pops. Funko Pops. I hate that I said that so quickly. <laughs> yeah, you did. Damn it. Yeah. But it's fine. That's what you're here for. I'm a kid. You're the so. youth consultant. The youth. Yep. Yeah. You're youth the youth consultant. consultant. Just like my dad. <laughs> yeah, except for, no. Yeah, uh, don't say that to him, all right? Yeah, no, I want He's I a respected person in the community. You're not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I would want that bobblehead. I think that would be pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, who wasn't a huge Jose Bautista guy? Mm-hmm. He was our jerk. Which yeah, is the yeah, best. Yeah, yeah. He was our jerk. That's mm-hmm. like when Bruins have Brad Marchand and I go, damn, I'm jealous that you have that guy. Yeah. Bautista was kind of that. Not the best player in the league, but one of the best guys, probably a little bit underrated, at times possibly overrated, someone that other teams hated mm-hmm. to play against, and Especially someone who would just kind of go out there and give results. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for that. He was obviously going the level of excellence. Jose Bautista, yeah. for God's sakes. I think Chris Black, uh, who I make fun of a lot, fairly, because, you know, if you know him. Uh, but he put out a great thread of who the, like, club or the, yeah, Blue Jays war leaders are all time. And I think Bautista is the number one position player mm-hmm. still, despite not having, like, a crazy long tenure with the Blue Jays. He didn't yeah. play as many seasons here as a lot of people would think. That's a weird thing about the Blue Jays is they just haven't had. Maybe that's the change with Vladdy, mm-hmm. who's hurt. Great, that's a good way to start. Yeah, knee soreness. Yeah, it's great. As, as like all the Blue Jays <laughs> updates are like, here's all the guys that are hurt. I was like, what? <laughs> Didn't spring training just like just slip start? that? I know they just slipped that under. They're like, here, psh, look at this list. Here's the injury. Is this report. an offer? It's like, no, that's 20 guys who are hurt on the Jays right now. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a little uncomfortable. Brandon Belt. They go, oh, he's like, I've never felt better. Oh, thank God I got that surgery. And they're like, Brandon Belt, he'll be ready. I'm like, mm, that's never good. That's never a good sign. Anyway, yeah, I'm super stoked for Jose Bautista. I I do. I have no regrets. About this, because I watched the game with three of my closest Blue Jays friends, and we watched it at the Elephant and Castle down on King. Oh, nice. Mm, But I sold my tickets to that game. Oh. Yeah. I was too nervous. Yeah, I was too nervous to go. The bat flip game. I felt sick. And and that was the thing. I had three friends that I, like, really watched the Blue Jays with a lot, 
and I couldn't, and I was taking everybody to like each game. I bought a strip. I was broke then too. I had no cash. I was actually nervous in 2015 and 16 because I had the strips and the Jays go to the World Series. They're going to take so much off my credit card. I was like, oh, oh my God, I'm going to be destitute because of this. But I still had to do it because that was the way that you got in the building, right? Yeah. Um, but I was taking friends to games and I was going to games and I, I just... I, I hit a point where I went, I can't decide who's going to come with me to this. I didn't mm-hmm. feel right asking them to pay for it. And I just wanted to be with my friends and watch the game. No regrets. I was right downtown. Yeah. Game ended. Everybody pours out of there. And we were downtown all night, just high-fiving people in the streets, yeah. sitting in the bars, yeah. doing all the thing. I'm so glad I watched it with my friends. We were literally dancing on tables in that See, that's bar. almost better, though, because it was seeing it in person's cool. But no, it was. And, and I, I, I do wish I saw it in person, but it mm-hmm. is a classic one for me where I'm like, hmm, what if? And I actually yeah. feel I'm, I'm, I'm so a believer in my self-important the universe that I feel like if I was there, maybe things were different and I'm, I, I would have cursed it. Uh, he strikes out. <laughs> he pops yeah. Up. And the bat flip is different. It's actually him like spiking it into the dirt. And they're like, you remember the bat flip? He, he is Bautista the top position to... player for war, by the way. Yeah, in history. Yeah. yeah. So shout out to Chris Black. Yeah. Uh, who speaking Behind of people Dave who Steven think they're Roy important Holiday, in the universe. Actually. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> I think that guy. <laughs> I don't know him. I can't come in. I know, I know. Anyway, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Let's talk to Howard Beck about what, well, a really, you want to talk about up and down. Like what a day for the NBA. Howard Beck next. What a news cycle for the NBA this weekend. Going into it thinking, oh man, this sucks. This is just everyone piling on John Morant. Uh, everybody having, yeah, they're, they're shot at the guy. Then it becomes the redemption narrative, which is the way that these things go within 48 hours. Yep. But just when you think it's like, oh, crap, all we're going to be doing is talking about bad stuff off the court. The league has some of its, well, not some of its, their best games of the season. There's like a real thing between the Celtics and Knicks where the Knicks just own the Celtics. <laughs> Somehow. And they did it again without Jalen Brunson. It was so fun. Yeah. Just watching those two teams battle quickly. Just Quickly was unreal. Un- he was awesome in that 38 game. points, I think. It was unbelievable. Suns Mavs basically took a back seat. We had Kyrie, John. We had Booker. In the face of Luca, they They're got talking very trash. close. Yeah. Those faces were. It was. It was almost like Adam Silver came down and said, "All right, everybody, we got to take the heat off Jaw. Everybody yeah. try. Everybody care about the regular season. Someone get mad at someone. Everybody care about the regular season. There was actually other good games too, like Milwaukee and uh, yeah. yeah, the well, Sixers. Julius Randle also had that game winner. Yeah, yeah. For no, the weekend it's, it's too, been like... a from a game standpoint, and then yeah, fifty point quarter from the Grizz without Jaw, yeah. and then the comeback by the Clippers. A little bit of an attitude game from them. So, yeah, anyways, great games from the league. Tough off-court narratives. Uh, to discuss it more, it's Howard Beck, a longtime NBA reporter and writer. What's up, Beck? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Uh, I'm well because, again, I just I sat on my couch yesterday and I watched basketball. Well, I watched F1 first, and then I watched basketball all day, and it was all good. Like, regular season basketball was unbelievably enjoyable. There were stars in all the games. They were talking trash to one another. Uh, there was real energy in them, and I was kind of taken back. It was really, really fun yesterday. Sounds like you didn't get out and get any fresh air. I'm a little concerned. I didn't. I did not. I cracked a window. Like, I, I had a window <laughs> over my bar. It was pretty good. Was, that, yeah, um, that doesn't count. That, yeah, doesn't, that, I, is, that doesn't count. I, I mean, think, listen, just, 
justifiable. There, you, you were right. There was a, it was a pretty incredible weekend in game. Yeah. So, do you think that it's like I do want to get into the jaw stuff with you, but yeah, do you think there's something here, like a little bit of momentum? I just maybe I'm overanalyzing this, but it feels like it's been nonstop. Hey, stars got to play more. Everybody hammering the stars. Charles Barkley basically getting a quote that goes viral every single week about you know coal miners versus <laughs> NBA players, and me going, yeah, <laughs> we are the coal miners, even though I'm not a coal miner. Uh, and then yeah, we're all getting riled up. We all want to see the stars play more but then i i watched these games and i went okay damn uh everybody kind of is onto something like regular season games can be fun they can be super enjoyable they can create rivalries like we got a template of what this actually can be and i do wonder if like a little small part of this weekend resonated with the players in the league yeah i mean look uh, first, g- given how many conspiracy theories this league generates, I like yours, the idea that Adam Silver sent down the message, guys, everybody has yeah. to play now. Everybody has yeah. to play long minutes. Yeah. Everybody has to play their butts off. Try. We got we got trashed for the All-Star game because yeah. y'all were out there just oh like, you know, skipping around. Um, I buried that so, trauma, Howard. Like, why did you have to bring that back up? Uh, it was the one piece you missed in your whole oh, preamble. God. So, um, sorry. Um, no, I mean, one, it, it's, it's March 6th today right so we're getting down to the stretch run so maybe maybe a little bit of this is just that the urgency of the late season there's always this kind of pattern in the nba especially uh these days where yes we are in an era of player rest and load management and everybody talking about how the regular season is too long and are you know the league trying to come up with new ways to make the regular season feel more vital the one thing that we always know is that in Jan- January and February are always kind of the dog days, and that's when things do kind of hit a, a bit of a lull. The All-Star game itself, an All-Star weekend, is really it's, it's not the halfway point. It's like the two-thirds mark, and when you come back from it, if you're a team with anything to play for, the trade deadline has passed. The buyout market has kind of settled into place. This is when everybody feels like, okay, the finish line is in sight, and if you're seventh, you're trying to get to sixth, so you get out of the play-in, and if you're tenth, you're trying to get – you know, to seventh or eighth. And if you're 12th, you're trying to still get into the play in these days. And so everybody has something to play for. And this is where those new innovations are coming into play because late in the calendar, in the NBA calendar, that's when all these things come to bear, right? So I, I think to the extent that this was not just some momentary spike this weekend that you're observing, but maybe something meaningful, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we are down to the stretch run. We're down to the final uh, quarter of the season, and you know, you know, and, and Durant's now had a few games under his belt with Phoenix, and so like they're playing at a different level. And Dallas has an urgency with Kyrie, and then so that game was was exciting. Like, there's just a lot of different elements in play here. Yeah, I I just it was so refreshing to me. I, I just felt like it had been a slog. All those things and. Yeah, like I obviously I watch a lot of basketball and yeah, just the the season was not really hitting for me and then it just it it felt like yeah, I I got an adrenaline shot this weekend. I went, "All right, this is all awesome." You're probably right. It's probably just a schedule byproduct and then a reminder that oh yeah, there's actually a ton of stars in this league and there's a bunch of good teams. But I, I will say the one thing that was a bit of an outlier and it's been building for a little while like the Knicks have been hot and they've been this this story, right? Um I think they're they've won 9 in a row now, right? Is that it? 9? Yes. Okay, yeah. Knicks have won nine games in a row, and there's been a little bit of the, hey, how good are the Knicks story bubbling, but they keep beating the Celtics' ass, and now after that one with no Jalen Brunson, I went, maybe 
maybe these guys are in that tier. Like nobody, we've always said, hey, nobody's the Bucks and the Celtics, and then maybe it's the Cavs and Sixers in a class with the Sixers that could be the team that maybe upsets somebody because they match up well with the Bucks. Like you're you're a New York. How how real do you think this Knicks thing is right now? I think we're still learning as we go. To be honest, I mean, I you know like. Eh. You know, the, obviously, you know, the most optimistic Knicks fans would say, of course, you know, we're in this and we've been in it all along and you guys are all fools for not uh, considering us. I, I think the general view across the league has been one of kind of respect but caution, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there have been times this year where it was they won five in a row and then they lost six in a row or they won seven in a row, then lost four in a row, whatever it was. And they were hovering within two to three games of 500, you know, either side of 500, Um and this is the first time this season where it feels like they've really, truly caught fire. I mean, obviously, this is this is as far as over 500 as they've been in. I don't even know how long. I haven't looked it up. But 39 and 27, I can't tell you the last time the Knicks were 12 games over 500. Um, and it does feel sustainable because they are, you know, on, on the nights that Julius Randle and, and, and Jalen Brunson have got it going, they're a team that can generate a lot of offense in different ways. And on the nights that, like, last night when Brunson's out, um, you know, not only is quickly stepping into the breach, but you know that because they're a Tom Thibodeau team, that the defense is going to be stout and they're going to find ways to stay in it and, and flush the opponent at times. So like, it, it's the way they're winning that I think is convincing. Um, it's, you know, they're, because they're not built in the traditional superstar model, mm-hmm. they're not a team that just comes out and blows you away. They have to, you know, they have to work for these, these wins and it, and that's part of what's so convincing about it is because that's the consistent part of it. So um, whether that means we should consider them as a actual contender, I mean, I I think I think that's still like where you draw the line. Mm-hmm. Um, the stars are still fairly determinative in, in this league, and you know the Bucks have Giannis, and the Celtics have you know Tatum and Brown, and the Sixers have Embiid and Harden. Um, and, and the Knicks guys just aren't at that level. Um, now you want to go back to the nineties and, and talk about legendary battles where it's Ewing and a bunch of, you know, uh, just, you know, supporting cast guys taking on Michael Jordan, and Scotty Pitt. Like, yeah, okay. There's, there's, there's versions of this, um, in the not recent past, you have to go back a ways, but I, mm-hmm. I, I tend to think that the stars are going to win out in the end still, but the Knicks are making a pretty compelling argument to not dismiss them. Well, as somebody who lives in Toronto and who remembers, you know, 2016 times, like pre-Kawhi, um, yeah, when you're the team that goes into the playoffs and has the undersized point guard as your best guy, and then a lot of, yeah, yeah okay talent around, and then you end up against the superstars, against LeBron, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I just caution Knicks fans, like, Giannis might be spinning a ball on his finger and then taking sips of beer in front of your players that you love so much and <laughs> sending you into basically just a very, very dark place very, very quickly. What I do like about it, though, is there's matchups that feel really, really important and good. So I just, I hope that we get Celtics-Knicks because the Knicks actually do feel like there's something about that matchup where they could upset the Celtics. And you know Boston cared. And you know Boston wanted that win and no Brunson. And still, the Knicks found a way. And I, that's got to be in Boston's head just a tiny little bit. I really, really hope we get that matchup in the playoffs. Okay, now for uh, the bad. Um, there's no timetable, according to Taylor Jenkins, on John Morant's return. I, I guess, where do you think this goes next? Because he's issued the apology Everyone has basically come around with a consensus of, hey, this is serious now. Like, this is not uh, up for debate. This is now a pattern of behavior that needed to be addressed. Yeah, where, where do we go from here with the John Morant story? 
The league has been very tight-lipped on this. The league has been very hands-off on this, and I'm not sure that that's the right approach. I'm sure they have their reasons. I have not investigated into what those reasons might be as as, of yet, and I don't know that they'll be sharing them anytime soon. But the fact that a story can come out in the Washington Post with a, a litany of incidents, all of which are a little bit ambiguous, right? There's some allegations and, and you know, there's denials and there's lack of proof. Mm-hmm. The league does investigate everything. The one thing I always try to tell people, the league investigates everything. They have an entire security apparatus of their own uh, staffed of uh, retired and I think sometimes still even active police and FBI uh, agents. And so they, they've got people who – have been in their entire careers in law enforcement who are independently on behalf of the NBA doing these investigations. So the league always knows way more than we do. Um, for all I know, they might know more than actual law enforcement in, in various locations does mm-hmm. as, they're, as they're checking this stuff out because they're trying to make sure that they're always ahead of, of things on this. So I, I have no doubt they know more than we do about what's going on with John Morant. And if it's even more serious than what we know, and if there are more incidents that the Washington Post and everybody else has not yet ferreted out, the league probably knows about all of those too. That the league has left this to the Grizzlies to be the only ones really issuing a statement. I mean, I know the league has kind of said, yes, we're aware and we're investigating, but that's not the same as saying um, we are highly concerned and here's what we're doing about it. Hmm. And even the statement from the Grizzlies before Taylor Jenkins had spoken, the official statement was just, uh, John's going to take a couple of days off. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the same thing as saying he's suspended for brandishing a gun in a live Instagram video. Um, on his own feed. Um, so it, it, it's a little strange the way the league and the Grizzlies have handled this. Like, be more assertive. Either say that this is wrong and incredibly concerning, and here's what we're doing about it, or don't. But saying he's just going to be out a couple of games without saying why and without calling it a, a disciplinary measure, I think is a little strange. And I, I, I really just don't know what to make of that. Um, and then obviously there's just Ja himself. Like all, all of this is obviously very concerning. That goes without saying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that his, his own statement says something about, you know, I need to, to deal with stress better. I mean, look, I, I'm not, I'm not going to mock the, the juxtaposition there. You know, everybody does have stress and anxiety and things that they deal with in their lives and everybody deals with it in d- different ways. How that, ties into him brandishing a gun at a strip club on a live Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I'm just going to let that lie. Like maybe, maybe he does have some things going on in his life and he's just acting out or whatever. I, I don't know. Um, so if it's about getting help, great. If it's just about making really bad decisions as a young man in this league, who's still dealing with all the trappings of fame and fortune, um, then, you know, then he, he needs to get better people around him or he needs to listen more. Um, he has been over the last few years, as I've understood it, not been in particularly uh, receptive to people around him on, on a variety of issues, issues that are far less serious than this one. Um, he, he, he's a bit stubborn uh, on, on a lot of things. But uh, I, I, like, I, don't, I don't think anybody has a sense of where this is going exactly, how long he'll be out, whether this will be considered discipline on some level, what will be expected of him when he gets back. Uh, but you know, clearly he's on notice and you know, it's, it's one thing to have some vague police reports and allegations, you know, from witnesses who may or may not be reliable and for the jaws lawyer to be able to chalk it all up to people just coming after him, trying to take advantage of him. That's one thing. Mm. This video is another thing entirely because it is, it is kind of underscoring all the other stuff and, and, and heightening it. 
And when it comes to, you know, guns in, in, a, in a country that, as uh, you guys, I'm sure are aware, we have a, it's a pretty severe problem with gun violence here. Mm-hmm. Um, the league cannot just brush this away. Yeah, I, I guess that's what's so surprising about what you're saying. I, like part of me goes, my, my natural instinct was to be like, maybe if the league is investigating these things so deeply and so thoroughly, they, they don't feel overly concerned because, yeah, otherwise they would have maybe tried to step in with this. But no, this is now, this is too many things, right? Like, this is too many things now all together. It's the accusation of assault of a 17-year-old. It's the stuff that happened with, what was it? It was the Pacers, right? With the, the yeah, after incident. Yeah, he was pointing lasers at the Pacers. Yeah, the Pacers incident. The Man, even just stuff like the Shannon Sharp thing you're viewing differently now through this lens. And now the gun where, yeah, there's even some belief that, like, he may have carried that gun on the team flight. Which, yeah, as we know from like the Gilbert Arena stuff in the past, is going to carry a pretty heavy consequence. Like, maybe I don't know. This this does kind of feel like it's heading down a direction of maybe this is going to be a, a pretty lengthy suspension, and they're just trying to get their ducks in order so that they can have everything lined up with the PA because they're going to have to do something. Like, yeah, if he, it would be so weird right now to see John Morant back on the court in a couple of days. It would be extremely weird, um, and. To your point, I mean, it, it, with, with everything else that had been reported, it wasn't clear that there were any specific laws broken. Obviously, you can't beat somebody up in the, the incident with the kids, so yeah. there's that. But Yeah, beating up 17-year-old kids probably not good. Like, I don't think you should do no, it. Don't try. No, not, not, not great. Not I could great, do it, though. But, um, but, but, the, but the, the, there was ambiguity about whether he had brandished a gun that he had in his, in his waistband and all that kind of stuff with, with one of those incidents. And so yeah. – um, but this is different because we now you have to ask how the gun got to him. First of all, you could you you could get really technical here. All right, first they have to determine was this actually a gun or was this some kind of you know you know whatever was was this a you know a toy or something? All right, let's let's assume it's a real gun. How did it get there? Is it his? Is it registered to him? Did it go on the team plane? Did it cross state lines? Now you've got all kinds of other questions, and you know as as you note. For people who aren't aware of it, go back and Google, you know, Gilbert Arenas and Javaris Crittenden and guns. And, you know, that that was a, you know, 20 alarm fire for the NBA at the time that that happened. Uh, But there were also threats involved between teammates. And so it was it was more than just the presence of a gun. Um, And and all of it was within NBA confines. Right. It was an NBA locker room. So, you know, but but this does raise the question of whether one or several laws might have been broken. Um, and again, th- this isn't just like th- this isn't carrying weed across state lines, yeah. especially now in an era where people are, are pretty nonchalant about that. Th- this is firearms. This is different. And um, I, 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 I cannot possibly believe that John Morant's just going to appear back in a Grizzlies uniform in the near term here and have everything just kind of get swept under the rug. Like that's, that's an impossibility at this point. And because everybody's antenna are up now and everybody's digging in. I'm sure that we're going to learn a lot more soon because people will be, you know, in Memphis and beyond reporting much more diligently on this. Yeah. The way this stuff goes in sports is when patterns like this emerge, usually it ends up in, yeah, either tragedy or someone leaves a lot on the table or off the table when it comes to their career. And yeah, I hope that even like everybody's spoken out and gone. There's been so many people. I thought Jalen Rose's plea to John Morant was really excellent. But I hope just him, John Morant, watching John Jones enter the octagon this weekend going, oh, man, that's a guy who is the most talented at his entire sport. 
who basically pissed away a decade of his career and who just like will forever be attributed to the stuff that he did outside the octagon as well. And yeah, I think everybody's rooting for John Morant. He's one of the most exciting players in the NBA. Nobody wants to see this end poorly, but uh, yeah, I think that it's pretty clear that the the next uh, focal point other than outside of John Morant is, is going to be the NBA itself and how they handle this. Uh, Howard, thanks so much for the time today, man. It's always great. Always a pleasure, fellas. Thanks. Cheers. Uh, there's Howard Beck. Um, yeah, it's this, this is like the way that it got pushed out there of he's going to take two games off. That was the weirdest part of this to me. And then yeah. finally their head coach came out and was like, no, 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 no. There's no, there's no timetable for return mm-hmm. because you can't have the Grizzlies being asked questions about John Morant's return the same week as this happening. <laughs> That's yeah. nuts. So weird. And so, yeah, what, what it feels like they're doing or what I actually kind of hope is happening here is the Grizzlies are trying to do what a lot of college teams do when they get busted, which is, yeah, yeah, we're doing, we're taking matters into our own hands here. Mm. We're disciplining ourselves or we're disciplining the player. And then the NCAA eventually goes, no, 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 no. Like that's, that's not how this is going to work. We're coming in with something significant. Uh, There's actually a part of me that wonders if John Morant should return at all this season. Straight Mm, up. Sure. Well, man, I've seen that. The, Alleged assault of a 17-year-old. Yeah. Multiple confrontations with other teams that also involved discussions of firearms. Yeah. Brandishing a firearm, potentially taking that firearm across state boundaries. Yeah. And then into a nightclub. And then just the there's just this weirdness with Jaw right now of wanting to put that out there so desperately that he's the hardest guy in the league Mm -hmm. and that he is not to be messed with and that he is just this, this different guy. It's like, dude, you're an NBA superstar. Nobody cares if you're hard, like nobody cares. You made it already. Yeah. You're you're (laughs) You're there. there. Nobody cares. I, they only have 19 games left too. Yeah. I I just, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I really don't know. And it feels like what a wasted opportunity for this Grizzlies team that at one point felt like they had so much momentum that really felt like they were about to enter the conversation of, yeah. are they the the rival of the Warriors? Are they yeah. the ones that are going to mm-hmm. take the mantle from the Warriors and be the next team in the West? And yeah, this is just, this is scary, man. I, I, I don't, I don't love it. They, they've quickly become like one of the most like ripped on teams online. Too, yeah, they are. Like they're, most hated, yeah. No, they're most too. hated. They're corny. Yeah. And, now and it happened yeah. in like a hurry. They were like, everybody's yeah. lovable. Oh, this young fun team. No. I mean, it's going to be so interesting to see like Adam Silver has... I think his approval rating early was so high. And I think that there's between, you know, obviously this and the players resting and the load management or whatever, like he's had a couple kind of big things come across his desk and I don't think he's handled some of them super well. So it's going to be really oh. interesting how this kind mm-hmm. of plays out. Cause I mean, this is, you know, this is a, this is one of your youngest, yeah. you know, most ascending stars and, you know, almost unprecedented. Like, it's just going to be interesting to see how the, how the whole thing shakes out. Yeah, the Adam Silver thing is actually a pretty fascinating point for the, of this yeah. for me because, yeah, he comes in as commissioner and he has, like, the most layup of approval rating things. Oh, it was difficult. Runs. It was difficult, the, the situation with Donald Sterling, but realistically, it was, hey, I'm against the old racist guy <laughs> yeah. being racist. And it was like, yes. Yes. Yeah. Hell yes. You're yeah. not racist. Right. Woo. And so from that point forward, I, I would say that, yeah, Adam Silver has not been the best commissioner and that the NBA has fallen off pretty drastically. Like numbers are down, interest is down. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what 
the All Star was historically bad. Yeah, yeah that that one, that, like that's been getting progressively worse, and mm-hmm. they probably need to do something there. But I I'm think just it's like, keeping on. You know? I think that the fact that they've got a regular season where most of us are checked out for a lot of it yeah. and going hoof, and that yeah, that we're in March. And now we're going, hey, the NBA is pretty good. Yeah. For hey, the first cool time. NBA that it's been, yeah, months of the product. And basically, we haven't spent too much time caring yeah. about the actual on-court stuff. Part of that's just like the seasons are too long and we're changing as a society, sure. I think, in terms of like how long something can take our sure. interest. And yeah. that we have to have more stakes in sports because there's just, it, again, it's, it's a way more competitive viewership climate. I yeah. watched Last of Us last night, by the way, before I went to bed mm. as well. I had a lot of TV. Howard's right. I was <laughs> Did you go outside? <laughs> I actually, shockingly, like, I'm not even lying to you. Like, how many steps you get? That's what I'm going to show you, you right now. You probably got so more than me. I'm going to check I, I know I did. Here. Look <laughs> well, at, let's see. Look at yesterday. Just read that out. 18,000. Wow. That's, right. That's almost 19. That's almost I actually 19. did go outside. I was, like, walking a lot yesterday. I was getting, I was getting nice. mad steps in. So, no, I went out in the morning after F1, and then I came back and stapled myself mm. to the couch for the rest you of the time. You went for a walk? Yeah, and yeah, a, little bit nice. of a, a little bit of movement, a little bit of running around. Uh, yeah, get the lungs flowing. Summer's <laughs> coming, you know? Like, yeah. I don't want to have to rock the black T-shirt all summer. <laughs> <laughs> all right? Like, I want to I be able to wear other colors than black. If you see me in a black T-shirt, you know it's like, I'm this feeling chubby today. This guy's Yeah, this guy's not having a po- body positivity day. Anyway, let's take a quick break. Let's come back and let's sit on everything else from the weekend. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, so breaking news. This just in during the break. Joe Bosch <laughs> and Simon Douglas. Uh, what a good day. You guys. Good start to the week. We'll have Derek Carr as your quarterback for uh, the New Orleans Saints, your guys' favorite football team next season. You guys seem sad. Like, what What did you think the option yeah, was? You thought, like, you were going to get... Yeah. Uh, so, Lamar Jackson? Were, Saints were going to get uh, <laughs> Tom Brady in his prime. They're going to invent this new stem cell research, and they were going to stab it into Tom Brady. He was going to come play for the Saints and be nope. 32 again. Like, no. What did you expect? I actually don't mind this for you guys. I mean, here's the thing. The division is awful. Yeah. So they're probably the there best team in the division. <laughs> they can exactly. still win. <laughs> so, you know, but, like, my big thing is at some point you just got to be bad and we're, mm-hmm. we just keep kicking the can down the road. You know, we're trading picks. We're in cap hell every single offseason. Mm-hmm. And at some point gymnastics. you just got to pull the ripcord and be like, hey, man, we're going to be bad for a couple of years. Yeah, except for why would that time be now when the NFC is completely wide open and every team sucks? How many teams in the NFC are good? Eagles, one. Not Niners, the Saints, two. still, though. But, yeah. but the, Saints, the Saints are actually decent. Good defense. Good defense. Derek Carr slinging. <laughs> Here's the thing. Derek Carr kind of sucks. I get it. It's not fun. As somebody who just got Geno Smith, who is... I think a version of Derek Carr, mm. you know, mm. like sure. it's a, it, that's a Derek Carrish guy. They're in the same a tier. In the same tier yeah, yeah. They're in the same tier. Yeah. Both those guys. Like, I, I still think my favorite Derek Carr memory for the rest of his career is going to be going to the pro bowl and hitting those targets and then being like, yeah, <laughs> show you Raiders. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, do you watch the combine? Nice. All the quarterbacks can do that. If they were, if they were, if you just sat someone down with Derek Carr at the combine and you watch him with CJ Stroud, like, what would you think? Like those yeah. are the, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, it's not encouraging that the last time he was with Dennis Allen, the Raiders went three and 13 back in 2014. Yeah. But Dennis Allen had nothing to do with that. You I'm just saying it's not it's not encouraging that the last time they were together it was no, a horrible football yeah, team. I were, mean, look, and honestly, you're I sh- even alive, Joe. Shut I, up. 
<laughs> I was one years old. Yeah. I shouldn't complain. Like my first Saints jersey yeah. is an Aaron Brooks jersey. Like so I was there he when was they the were bad, but he yeah. was the man. Yeah. I loved Aaron that guy. Brooks is Aaron the Brooks was sick. Yeah, yes. Aaron Brooks was sick. Yeah. I didn't know there was so much Aaron Brooks, Brooks support. Aaron, no, Aaron Brooks was cool. Horn boys. Yeah. That was the connection. Yeah, no, Joe Horn with the cell phone is like. And then you guys having one of the most heartbreaking losses in the history of football. Where they mm. missed the extra point yeah. against yeah, Jacksonville? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. that's the most insane you know what thing I used I've ever to seen. Do? You know what I used to do in Madden after mm-hmm. after John Carney mixed, missed that kick? Because I'd start a franchise with the Saints, and I would immediately release John Carney because <laughs> he missed that extra point. I love that Austin is so jacked up for that Saints talk. That, <laughs> no uh, that Aaron one Brooks. remembers that Jacksonville game, man, with the, all the Everyone remembers that Jacksonville game. What are you talking about? That's like one of the most famous football games. It was a crazy football game. Um, anyway, uh, I don't mind it for the saints. I think the NFC is wide open. Everybody sucks. And there's just the, okay. So the Niners who always get hurt mm-hmm. and then the Eagles who will have the super bowl loser curse, super the loser curse. Cowboys who's good. Yeah. It's a pretty bad conference. Aaron Rodgers might leave Brady retired. Like even even for me, because I, I had the same feeling as you guys last year with the Seahawks, obviously. Like, I wanted them to suck, and then they were too mm-hmm. good, and I went, what's happening here? I just, no, don't be <laughs> decent. And there were all these articles coming out about the Seahawks and how they were going to try to be decent and blah, 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 blah. And when you're ready for a tank as a fan, I get it. You put yourself in that mindset. That is a modern-day sports fan. I don't even hate it. People think, like, you always have to be positive. You always have to cheer for the wins. That's not how it works. Sometimes you do need to take a step back to take sport. Yeah, exactly. And and that's, like, real life, too. You can't be one of those people that goes, you should take a break. You know, you should take a mental health hiatus. And then, but with sports teams, you're like, you have to just cheer for every single win or else you're a bad (laughs) fan. You're negative. It's like, okay, how about you just relax? That was a bit of a stretch of an analogy, but that was, that's whatever. That was, that was, I think I, I think you kind of shoehorn that yeah, one in. There. I think it was all right. I'll give it to you. Yeah, yeah thanks, guys. And you know what? You've actually convinced me. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, Derek why not? Sure. What's why not? one year of your life of winning football with the Saints or attempting I mean, winning football? They, Here's the thing. They weren't has... winning a Super Bowl anyway, so. Man, no, why well, not? Joe. <laughs> win like nine or ten games, yeah. win yeah. the division, host a yeah. playoff game, whatever. That's fun. Yeah, until. Sure. Until. The Falcons get Lamar, and then you yeah, spin that's it. Tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, then and then yeah, Lamar is good. And then the swept by the dirty Panthers man. draft a sick quarterback. They trade up. They get like C.J. Stroud, and all of a sudden you're like, we have Derek Carr and everybody. Oh, apparently Anthony Richardson. Like a lot of people are saying that the Bucks want to draft him. Could you imagine you guys end up with C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Lamar Jackson? Like the I'd athletes, be be, yeah. your, the super freak yeah, athletes, yeah. all at quarterback. Anthony Richardson's thing. Just quick side note before we get into what we missed. Mm. His, you guys pay attention to his measurables. The combine, oh, yeah. the com- whoa, combine. Sorry, yeah. All right, might be past your bedtime, Joe. <laughs> the combine. <laughs> yeah. It is insane what he's doing and watching yeah. him. Anyway, uh, he's he's doing such crazy stuff that I'm going. Just do it, Seahawks. Like, just do the damn thing. Grab him, sit him behind Gino for a couple of seasons, and then pull the trigger and just let him, let the freak run. Let him run. <laughs> anyway, uh, all right, what we miss? So LeBron James had an incredible tweet yeah. over the weekend. Kind of follows I like our, how this is what we're starting with. Let's go. LeBron. Our, our dream theme from <laughs> hey last week. LeBron. This show is a LeBron dream, baby. Yeah. So he, he tweeted out, just We have not up. done one positive. I did LeBron scoring title, and I was like, yeah, it's all right, but they lost. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't been positive yeah. at all. Yeah. Anyway, so he, he tweeted out, just woke up from having a dream that MJ and I were... Yeah. Shooting the crap back and forth at a men's national championship game between North Carolina and Duke. Great vibes and epic classic game. It was a tie game. Five seconds left. NC yeah. with the ball. My ass would wake up to use the bathroom before seeing the end of the game. Happens all the time. Never get to the end. Always felt real as hell. Lol. Good morning, yeah. everyone. Smiley face. 
Incredible tweet. Incredible. Obviously, tweet. he can't play, and he's ripping around on a scooter. I just, <laughs> I worry about LeBron sometimes <laughs> in the sense of, can you just not have the attention for a day? Can you just just keep some? This is how insulated LeBron is from people like reality is that he thinks people care about his dreams. And this is what he, how big of a liar he is. It's like, Look what out. are you talking? And it was five seconds. Yeah, left. There's like, no way you yeah. remembered all what? of this. 94, no 94. Yeah. The, the score, the score. NC no with the ball. I, I got to tell you, I, I'll take a shot at you dreamers out there. The dream people out there. <laughs> Isn't that all, just everybody? <laughs> no, I'm saying I, I remember little details of my dreams for like 10 seconds after I wake up. And then every once in a while, I'm reminded of like, oh, mm. crap. Like this morning, I was dreaming last night. And I woke up this morning. Ask me what my dreams are about. I have no idea. Neither like I. none. I have no idea what my dreams are about. Anybody who gives you like, these are the biggest lies ever. Okay. Mm -hmm. These are the, the number one liars who lie on the planet. Mm. People who remember <laughs> all the details of their dreams. Yep. And then people who say that they can control their dreams. And then they're like, and then I did this in my dream. I'm like... Nope. What is... You're just high. You're damaged. <laughs> <laughs> Where you want to tell me... You just smoked too That's much. like a thing Sorry. a little kid says, right? And then in my dream, I put the cape on and I was Superman. <laughs> and I beat all the bad guys. And you're like, yeah, okay. Adults say that okay, sometimes. Okay, little Timmy. All yeah, right. adults will straight up be like, yeah, I can control my dreams. I and you just go, God... It's so sad. That's the saddest <laughs> thing that you feel like you need to lie to another adult or that this is the most interesting thing about you is a lie about your dreams. Anyways, yeah, Le Cap. Like, it just, it never ends with this guy. He just, he has to lie about everything. And this is just, it's almost like he's dying to get caught with his lies. You know? He's a criminal. Well, he, he tweeted it out. He, I know. He just, he wants so he's badly. wilder and wilder. Like, maybe he's getting off on the rest of us going, you're a liar, you're a liar. And he's sicko and he loves hearing it. And he's well, like, other NBA players reference it too. They, they, they mention a little like, look I know, man. Everybody like knows. Everybody knows. Anyways, what's next? He also quickly, he yeah. also, uh, on an Instagram story, posted a, a doodle he did of Bart Simpson. Yeah, it was not great. Check that thing out because yeah. it is also super weird. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on. Travis Kelsey hosted Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Uh, I didn't watch the episode, yeah, so full disclosure. Watched, Saturday Night Live. watched the monologue. It was certainly a monologue. I thought it was decent. <laughs> it was. A it monologue. was okay. I like, thought it was decent. I honestly like the the line where because he's a football player, okay? That's the thing. So yeah. it was like oh, it was like a sports guy doing an SNL monologue. But just the stuff with his family, here's maybe I'm just I have a big soft spot for the Kelsey family. Sure. Mm. I just really enjoy they the Kelsey family awesome. content how it's I have a brother. Mm -hmm. I love my brother a lot. Mm -hmm. He's the man. And I kind of I see that stuff and I go this is like us where we like each other, but we want to beat each other, you know? Yeah. And so Healthy maybe there's something about that. I think if you like get along with a sibling that that stuff should resonate with you. And like, who doesn't love mom content where, yeah, so, the, so where they're the like, that's exactly it. Whenever they go, Hey, and then our mom was a supporter who, yeah. Yeah. That's like, Hey, here's the things that on Instagram you can show anybody anytime puppies doing stuff. Yeah. Moms being heroes. Yeah. Yes. Agree. 
And then I also really like it when people hurt themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I was waiting for like a messed up one. I knew it was Oh coming. man, I put one on my Instagram yesterday of this girl like using a slingshot. She's yeah. like, here we go. I'm going to do this thing. And then as she slaps this huge slingshot like right, right back in, in her face. And I'm just like, yes, this is everything to me. Oh, and I like that Soyette guy. That's my number four. <laughs> the dude with like, uh, I think, I can't remember where he's from. I think he's from Thailand. He's still the last singing. It's great. He's so positive. I love Soyette. Anyway. I, I, I had a break news pete walker text no what Ooh. it's called lucid dreaming and i have done it yeah no again liar shut up <laughs> i have done it yeah again sorry, sorry pete. hey guess Didn't what always the least interesting guys that say that aka pete <laughs> anyway what's next uh so jake gyllenhaal was at, at, oh, yeah. so, uh, at ufc 285 they filmed a part of ufc 222 which is jake gyllenhaal they're doing a reimagining of roadhouse the movie from 1989 yeah. patrick swayze uh, so there's a couple, bunch of clips and stuff like that coming yeah. out of like Joe and Hall like fighting, doing his ring walk and stuff yeah. like that. Um, what you like? Are you excited for the movie? I have so many thoughts you a on this. Big Joe Hall fan. I have so many thoughts on this. Okay, I'm gonna clear my throat. <laughs> you could hear it through my mic. Hall. <laughs> I know, but I was, I was trying to get it down the. Yeah. Like, number one, I love Jake Gyllenhaal. Hall. Mm-hmm. Yes. I hate Taylor Swift fans because of the way they attack my boy Jake. Mm. They're like, he was 30 and she was 20. I'm like, so what? They're famous. That's how this goes. That's the game. And they dated for like no time at all. (laughs) And then she's out here writing songs about how he's trash. Poor Jake. Poor Jake. Unfair attack. Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't know if he's underrated, but go... Remember when we first all started hanging out, we went through IMDb's and we were talking about how badass Brad Pitt is and look Mm -hmm. at all his movies? Jake Gyllenhaal got a list. He oh, does yeah. have a list. It's, a, it's an it underrated list. With, yeah. We're about the same age. Yeah. Donnie Darko, when I was in high school, was Sucked. like the ultimate, but it was like the ultimate like I know. cool movie. I know. Like, That's, oh, but man. why? I, I don't know. Everyone ever, loved it. I know. It's the weirdest thing. We all <laughs> love Donnie Darko. And if you go back and watch that movie. Oh, I'm not doing a rewatch. Yeah. Horrific. <laughs> it's his worst movie. <laughs> like, his worst movie? Well, yeah, yeah, that and Spider-Man. Mm, true. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, come on. I was Let's trying, all grow I was up to look and for stop like a little watching Spider Man every year. Can we just? There's nothing worse than everybody gassed it up. The latest one so hard they were like, "No Way Home." That's what it was called. Yeah, newest? No Way Home. That was the newest. No, no Spidey Verse. Spider Verse. Spider Verse came out before No Way Home. Okay, no I'm confused. No Way Home, and then the Spider-Verse one's the animated one. Yeah. That's coming oh, okay. out. Actually, the animated one the was animated my favorite one. That was the bomb. They're coming out with a new one, too. Yeah, yeah. And that Metro one. Boomin's producing the soundtrack All right, for it. just relax. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just, just letting you know. Relax, Joe. She's like, and the other thing about animated Spider-Man? I'm like, okay. Just All relax. right. Anyway, uh, whatever the newest Spider-Man is called, where it's like all the different no, Spider-Man no show up. Yeah. That was the most overrated thing in the history of anything. People were freaking out. They were like, all my friends, all my Marvel geek friends were like, "Ah, I know you don't like Marvel, but this one is really good. You're going to like it. It's it's not like all the others. I was like, oh, wait, it was exactly like all the others. They just brought in more Spider-Mans. Anyway, the animated one is the bomb. The rest of the new Spider-Mans kind of rot. The the first one was sweet with Tobey Maguire. And Mm -hmm. then since then, meh. Um, and I think I've seen them all, which is pathetic. Because like I, I'm like I'm like I hate this, and then I end up always watching them. Play. Like I watched the Jake Gyllenhaal one, and that one was brutal. That one was really bad. Um, I didn't love that one. Jake is the man. Yeah. Jake rules. 
Jake got shredded. It is hilarious how we get so impressed with celebrities getting shredded that we're like, wow, that guy got in crazy shape with professional trainers, a diet, <laughs> a schedule that was purely built around this, and the uh, upside of having millions of dollars paid to him to <laughs> and do now this. now he's shredded. And we're like, wow, I think I'm going to try to do that. I did I did get a little inspired, though, in my lift yesterday was, I think, a little better because mm. of Jake. And I went, yo, let's get that... Jillabod, you know? <laughs> I'm trying to Let's think of another. that Jillabod going. Thing. Anyway, um, they ruined the movie. Roadhouse? I mean, this one. Mm. I, it's pretty weird that Roadhouse has gone from like a movie about Patrick Swayze being a bouncer to mm. Jake Gyllenhaal as a UFC champion. Here's <laughs> like my UFC guess. UFC branded, too, no, no, not here, just like Here's fake. my guess. Here's my guess. It seems like they ruined the movie because he comes a UFC champion or whatever he is. Because in the thing... In the clip. In the clip, it's there's a couple. One, him standing at the scale, looking yeah. jacked, and then the other, he does a ring walk, but then he does a flying knee and he wins. Yeah. I think what's going to happen is that it works backwards. Like, he's in this Roadhouse movie... I think that part of it is going to be the nothing burger. And that's why this film studio is not too worried about it. And they think it's good advertising. I think he's going to become like the UFC champion, but then he's going to be a dick and he's going to blow it. Yeah. And so then he's going to go work at the, the bar. And so I what agree. we saw is the beginning. Cause at first I was like, why did they spoil this? And then I felt stupid though, too, going, you really thought that the Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> UFC movie, like he wasn't going to win. <laughs> like, like he's the hero. <laughs> yeah. Also, he was actually in a sweet boxing movie uh, that, so this is, yeah. So this is not his first dude. Jake Gyllenhaal, I'm telling you, go through the MDB. It's untouchable. Dude, Nightcrawler. Yes. Might be his best oh, movie. Nightcrawler. Yeah, Nightcrawler. So a good, great one. No, Am no, I no. crazy for saying that might be his best movie? Yeah. I, or prisoners. Prisoners, prisoners is really is good. Really too. good. Prisoners I really like, I really like prisoners. Prisoners is really, really good. Anyway, mm. you can go through Jake's yeah. IMDb. We could go through 45 minutes on this. <laughs> and it's it's just a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of plus. Yeah, it's like, oh, he did a that. Lot of oh, wins. he did that. Oh, he did that. A lot of big Ws for Jake Gyllenhaal and Co. Yeah. Anyway. And also Donnie Darko. John and also, really also Massive Hunk. Uh, so, anyway, back on track here. Because we're getting off the rails. All crushing hard on Jake. I... I'll watch this. Yeah, so will I. And I thought it was pretty funny that, like, the second headline out of the UFC's weekend, it was John Jones, and then number two is Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Great stuff. Anyways, what's next? Uh, did you like the first Roadhouse, like the original? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not, like, I'm a little too young for it to be... Uh, like a seminal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but I just, I have seen it, and I, it, what is it, Kitsch or Camp or whatever the hell, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's fun. It's a fun <laughs> movie. It's fine. All right. Uh, XFL quarterback Quentin Dormady cut yeah. by the Guardians after allegedly giving uh, the team's playbook to an opposing team. Bold yeah. move. Uh, XFL <laughs> also removed his stats from the website, like an all-time yeah. bad teammate move there. Blacklisted uh, from the league. What are some of your like teammate pet peeves from like uh, either like you know men's league mm. or rec or pickup or um, teammate pet peeve? Ooh, that's a good one. Teammate pet peeve, well, as you have played a lot of basketball with me, mm. I don't like when people don't pass to me. <laughs> like is that, that, is that, that a pet peeve or? No, that's a pet peeve. Like, I want the ball. I, like, I okay, want Russell Westbrook. Relax. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I want to take a lot of shots and tis my right. <laughs> like, so, uh, shoot better than me and score more, but that's fine. Uh, yeah, teammate pet peeves. 
I actually don't like it when your teammate in like a pickup game is doing the like I'm open, I'm open thing, but they suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. annoying where you go, come on. And they start taking a lot of shots and they're bad. That That's pretty annoying. Um, we used to work with a guy, <laughs> Webby, who was kind of like that, <laughs> like, who, who thought he was a little bit better than he actually was. And he would kind of launch a too high volume of shots. And I would go, I know we're all here to have fun, but also I have fun winning. So don't do that anymore. I have fun when the uh, ball goes in the net. Yeah. Uh, I think if we, I, I think that I'm probably a lot of the bad things that people don't like, like Simon's played a lot with me. You can, uh, you give me a scout report, but I do a lot of t- talking trash, which I think uh-huh. can be annoying when it gets to be too much and it starts to take away from the game. Mm-hmm. I try not to go that far, but I'm not afraid to engage in it. Uh-huh. I think you'd say, is that fair? Yeah, assessment? Absolutely. Be be honest. Do I go too far? No, I don't think so. Yeah. No, I mean yeah. also like the play, that that like that run, run especially had, was yeah, a lot of that got a little, spicy got a little heated, spicy. Yeah, that would be yeah, that would get a little hot every <laughs> once in a while. But I think that that's annoying. Like I can do that as a teammate pet peeve, especially in rec leagues I've played in too, where I I probably talk to the refs too much for a rec basketball player. I, <laughs> I will admit, it. hand up. I will I will admit it. Okay, I do too much talking to referees. I've done it my entire life in every single sport. I can't help myself. You're and just Luka Doncic. So you are. Yeah, that's thank yeah, you. Yeah, but those guys are getting paid, okay. bro. Yeah. <laughs> the guys JD's harassing is volunteering most no, of the no, time. No, 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 like, no, 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 no. These people are getting paid. These people are getting paid. These yeah, are 20 bucks. Fish. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you're the type of person, this is my real true opinion. If you're the type of person that is going to get paid to ref, you want it. <laughs> you want the you you're either some sicko that loves authority so much and Just, you're basically a cop but you can't be a cop last night it's exactly what he did yeah you're a cop yeah and you want to have a weird authority over people and i'm complex. not standing for that yeah or you're kind of uh, a different kind of sicko that wants people to yell at them and get into it with people and have conflict so those are the only two types i'm actually arrest? providing a service yeah <laughs> Anyway, wow, what a yeah, yeah. you're good. welcome, <laughs> refs. Uh, I do take a lot of shots. Fair, yeah, I do. Ver- verbal and physical. I do take <laughs> no, like taking uh, shots and sending shots. You know, you know, you know what I really don't like, but uh, I think it's always opponents. Is like when you're playing pickup, men's league, rec, whatever basketball, mm. or like any kind of sport. I don't like the hardo that maybe does the thing that you know that's how people get hurt. Yeah, whether that's yeah. sticking out a knee in a hockey game yeah. or whether people yeah, on jump. Going underneath somebody's legs on a jump shot, like there's just certain things. Stick too much. Yeah, you just yeah, you just don't do. Yeah, and agreed. whenever you're that guy, that's the worst you can be. Yeah, like there's there's nothing yes. else. Like I'm open for some trash talk. I think again, it it gets to a point of diminishing returns with officials where you do just want to kind of play a game, and once you start becoming the show with rec league officials, it's kind of like cringy. Yeah, and yeah, I've done it definitely before, but I try not to do it. And yeah, a lot of that was too when I was even younger than I am now, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a lot younger than I am now, but yeah. Either way, I think those are those would be my cardinal sins. Is like person that derails the game with the officiating, or is like if you don't have an official that's calling foul on everything, mm-hmm. and then it just spirals out Ugh. into everyone's just calling, calling foul. fouls all the time, yeah. every possession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like, what, what I mean. Or just yeah. So I hate that. Uh, people jumping under people's legs, or yeah, Joe. I think that's a good one. Pe- using the stick too much. Yeah, yeah. Just dangerous, like reckless plays. Yeah, yeah. Just ja- dangerous, reckless plays. 
and doing it to try to get a rise out of somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just like all time Agree. embarrassing. The thing, the thing that I can like, usually when you're in like a pickup run, you can kind of immediately tell how competitive we're getting. Yeah. Sometimes you're just like, oh, we're just out here getting some run. Or yeah. sometimes it's like, okay, these are real games. And like read the read the room a well, bit, you know. The good thing about basketball pickup runs is generally you're supposed to kind of try to match energy exactly. with someone else on the floor. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're the other team's hardo. Okay, cool. I'm a hardo too. So like, let's go hard at each yeah. other. Yeah. And then there's always the guys like uh, Sam McKee here, Sam. who's always looking for the guy that's like, you don't want to run. Hey, that's who, why me and Sam, Sam guarded yeah, each other. Yeah, we were yeah. perfect. You're like, you, you don't want to run, right? <laughs> we're like, just going jog. like, oh, he free, matches like yeah. three point oh, yeah, line yeah. to three point line, and just kind yeah. of like right whereas, in that middle zone. Yeah. Whereas I like to see the guy who is the barkiest and who's going to try to pick me up full court that I can, you know, <laughs> not feel bad about feeding an elbow. That's what I did in hockey. Yeah, I yeah. talked way too much for and, a short guy. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we got lots more tomorrow, but that was good. Um, damn, we didn't get, we can't get that in. John Cooper. Yeah, John Cooper benches guys, and yeah. he gets to do it because he's in Tampa, and nobody cares there, and nobody paying attention, and they've won multiple Stanley Cups, and they also have a bunch of depth, and yeah, Tampa's been losing lately, so it didn't exactly work. Like what? They lost six nothing or something. What they? What they uh, lose? Yeah, it was six nothing. They lost five three to Buffalo, which is the yeah. game that they benched them. Yeah. In. Anyway, they, I'm just saying the next yes, game. They anyway, subscribe to this podcast, leave five stars, share it on Twitter, share it on Instagram, follow me at JD Bunkus, and we'll see you tomorrow.